Good evening, everybody. I'm going to try this and call our <laughs> uh, school choice open public hearing to order. Um, welcome to anybody uh, joining through Milton Access TV. Um, so it's May 24th. We're beginning with this brief annual um, open public hearing. Um, before we get started on that, we will um, go ahead and pledge allegiance to the flag. <coughs> pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right, so uh, voting on school choice is an annual procedure for the Milton School Committee. Uh, Milton is not currently a school choice district, um, but I would like to defer to Interim Superintendent McKinney for a brief overview of school choice. So the school choice policy allows um, students from other area schools uh, or towns to apply for residency, apply for resident admission into a number of seats that the district makes available for a random uh, drawing. Um, in the past, this is a challenging situation. We've talked about our space needs across the, um, the district. Uh, the recommendation here would be that we carefully consider making um, certain number of requests for available spaces. Um, given the enrollment challenges that we have here, but the policy as outlined by JFBB shows that um, every school year, the administration would determine the number of spaces available for choice students, and then consideration be given from the provisions at a public meeting to review this decision. So right now, given again, the space needs and our enrollment, um, the recommendation is to limit available uh, admissions okay. thank you um so we will actually take our vote on this as a school committee once we've begun the uh, regular school committee meeting um right now in terms of open hearing um would like to ask if anyone in the audience wishes to speak on this topic of school choice Is, is now the appropriate time if members of the school committee have questions for clarification. Um, just to reiterate, um, historically, Milton has not participated in the school choice program um, unless the school committee votes, specifically votes no, um, not to participate in the program, we automatically become a choice district. Um, and the purpose of the vote is to limit Milton school population to the students who live in the town of Milton. However, Milton residents may still choose to attend other choice districts outside of Milton if they choose to do that. Um, and the vote does not limit or impede any other agreements that exist in collective bargaining agreements. Um, does anyone have any clarifying questions for Dr. McKinney? 
Okay, in that case, um, I'll declare the uh, school choice open hearing closed and um, the regular meeting called to order, um, 7.05 p.m. Um, and the first item on our agenda is to approve the agenda for this evening, May 24th, 2023. Uh, does anybody have any changes that you'd like to propose to the agenda? Okay. Uh, then that brings us to citizen speak. And we are joined this evening by um, Rebecca Mitchell, Dr. Rebecca Mitchell. Thank you for joining us. Uh, right here, yes, thanks. Um, and just to remind the audience, um, citizen speak under our policy, we set aside up to 15 minutes um, and citizens are welcome to share their views um, for up to three minutes. I think it's on. It only goes back to there. Just we don't hear it. <laughs> no, it doesn't. No, I don't think you're on the. I don't think you're on the clock. Check. Hello. Hello. It's the well, rain. In that spot. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Can we borrow one of those? I'll sit. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Works a little okay. too well. Hi, um, my my name is Rebecca Mitchell, and I'm a parent of two um, children. One who went through all Milton Public Schools and is in college, and one is currently a junior at Milton High School. Um, just a little bit about my background, because it might be relevant. I um, taught high school math for eight years in Florida and in Boston Public Schools. Um, and then I got my doctorate in learning and teaching at Harvard Graduate School of Education, and was a tenure-track professor at Boston College in the Lynch School of Education, helping prepare math teachers. Um, and then I moved to Pine Manor College to be the head of the math department and to teach college-level math where I was until Pine Manor closed last year. I'm currently, um, again, at Boston College working for the Pine Manor Institute for Student Success, which is a college and career. Um, the piece I'm working on the most is the college and career access program for 8th through 12th graders from under-resourced, underserved communities and um, with a summer residential component and a year-long tutoring mentoring program that is free of charge to their families. Um, why I'm here today is that uh, my son was lucky enough to get tapped to be in the awards ceremony this 
year. And uh, for example, the Century Club, which is like 100 something of the top unweighted GPAs in the school. And I was looking at the group and I'm really happy for them and all of their accomplishments, but I noticed very few students of color in this group. And I know that Milton Public Schools is a lot more diverse than what the awards ceremony indicated. So I just wanted to say something about that. Um, I emailed several people and Karen Cahill got back to me really quickly, so I, I appreciated that um, and shared with me things like um, the tracks are flexible, which is something that's important. So someone's not stuck in a low level track always necessarily that parents can override, which is something that has potential. I'm curious how many do that, how many feel empowered to do that. For example, I'm, I'm Latina and a lot of Latino cultures, we would never question a teacher's decision and we would never even think to try to override what a teacher would say. So um, I'm just curious how that ends up playing out in the schools. And I'm curious if the schools, what the schools have done to look K to 12 on how to increase kind of access or um, you know the ability of students of color in Milton to be represented at these awards as they are in our schools. Because I know it's not a capacity thing. From years of working primarily with black and brown students, I know that they are brilliant and capable of being there. Um, a lot of my work, at, especially at Pine Manor, was to convince them of that because they'd been beaten down a lot by messages, implicit and explicit, from teachers and other people in their schools that said they were not. Um, and so I just was curious what the school system was doing in, in a kind of K through 12 scale to look at these issues. That's okay. Anyway, thank you for your time. Can I go now? Or? Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Mitchell. Um, is there anyone else here for Citizen Speak? Okay. Um, well, thank you again for coming and sharing that with us. Um, at this time, we can um, move into the superintendent's report, Dr. McKinney. Uh, first thing on the agenda is the special education program review update. Uh, I think we have a presentation to share. So I'll just go through a high level overview of the program re review report and its findings. Uh, included in the packet were um, copies of the executive summary and the recommendations. Um, before going over the framework, it's important to uh, recognize the genesis of this uh, program review. Um, this was born out of um, a number of concerns from educators in our special education programs. And at the time, um, Superintendent Sheehan recommended that we have a third party review and uh, address the concerns. Typically, these sort of uh, reviews are around 30 to 60 pages. The current review is over 100 pages. Um, so the draft I've seen so far, I anticipate getting the final product within a week and then sharing that out as well. So here are the four guiding qu questions for the program review, which asks how we're using the resources across the district to meet the needs of students with disabilities. 
What are the roles and responsibilities of our staff to meet and support the needs of our students with disabilities? How is staff allocated, determined, and recognized across uh, the district to advance student achievement? And how are you communicating with parents, students, and staff regarding our policies, procedures, and protocols uh, for students with IEPs? The framework or components of the analysis are the following, a review of statewide reports, a series of classroom observations at all uh, six schools, interviews with educators at all six schools and administrators, a survey that went out to our staff and community members. I just want to recognize and thank our CPAC organization for identifying parents to be a part of this process, and then a review of literature that supports the focus of this report. So in summary, the recommendations kind of fall into three uh, areas. The first one is improved communication around our procedures and protocols from the district to the schools to parents and staff, consistently shared with stakeholders. And it also speaks to having a committee that reviews these communication practices on a regular basis. It also recognizes or uh, recommends having a database of all the different programs we have at the different schools so it's available for staff and administrators. Um, we have a number of programs across the district, a lot of different names, and it would be helpful if it was all in one place for everyone. There are a series of recommendations around professional development, and that it not be done in um, isolation or in silos, but it be done with general ed, special education, and the instructional assistance. That we go over the program overviews of all the different uh, special ed programs, and that they're data-driven. And there's a focus on clarifying and having common language around inclusion, what it is, what it's not in Milton, as well as our inclusive practices, which tie nicely into elements of our um, strategic plan with UDL and making our classrooms set up for student success across the district. Also, there was recommendation around systematic approaches uh, improving the uh, entrance and exit criteria and program descri descriptions, that they're well articulated across the district. It's programmatic, data-driven, and it serves as a guide. <clears throat> and just for clarity, program descriptions usually include the population of students that are in the classroom, eligibility for those programs, what inclusion might look like, curriculum, staffing, so there's consistency across the board. Another piece was around annual training and frequent updates. Uh, some of the feedback was that um, uh, one large overview at one time during the year may not be adequate, that special education is fluid, that we have more than one time where staff can re receive updates, legal overviews, and get the information they need to make key decisions. There was also a recommendation to do, develop a comprehensive spe, a special education strategic plan. So we're planning three years out where we want to be in a couple of years uh, that uh, aligns with our strategic plan and also outlines budgetary support. There were consistent themes of uh, concern around programming. Um, we have done some de professional development on co-teaching, but there's a need for more. And there were concerns raised around French immersion, staffing, uh, equity practices in terms of helping students who demonstrate challenges uh, in that program. 
And then there's ongoing con uh, concern around the caseloads, not just the numbers of students that special educators um, provide support to, but also the severity of need. So you could have 20 students on a caseload, then another teacher could have five to 10 that feel like 30. So coming to some agreement around parity of caseloads across the board. So moving ahead to next steps, um, I've shared the PowerPoint you see here, the executive summary and the recommendations with the leadership team. Um, I have a meeting this week with the Milton Special Education Parent Advisory. Um, we met virtually today with the MEA and they've been inquiring around the status of this report, so I'll be sharing it with them. Um, our new Director of Pupil Personnel, um, Danielle Wetmore, she's aware of this, and Andy Cavanaugh, our new Special Ed uh, Assistant Director. And I'll be working with them to develop a committee to review these findings and work over the next couple of years to implement the recommendations. Um, I've also set up arrangement for the two consultants that did this program review. We'll be working with new leadership over the next year as consultants and mentoring to make sure these sort of things uh, continue moving forward and improve. And then working with our MEA leadership, there are a number of uh, JLMs, Joint Labor Management meetings, again, regarding caseloads and workloads um, so that we can have a better handle on student need, um, staff caseloads, staff management, and advocating for additional personnel if necessary. Um, so lastly, I would say that within a week, I'll be able to share the final draft with the committee and it'll be made public. Um, I have some key people reviewing it, including um, legal counsel. So with that, that is a, a short presentation and overview of the report. Thank you. Thanks, Dr. McKinney. Does anyone have any questions or comments on this? Dr. Miranda? Um, yes, thank you. Thank you for the, the overview of the, of the report. Um, just wondered if you have given some thought as to how the committee that you're thinking of um, establishing to review the report and look at recommendations, how that would uh, align or work with the strategic planning subcommittee just to make sure that there is that alignment and integration. Certainly there could be um, participation from members of both groups. But I think the um, ask from the report when I read through it is that that review committee be a various stakeholders from across the district in various positions. Uh, right now it seems to uh, go through team chairs or principals. I think there are many talented special educators from service providers, um, SLPs, OTs, school psychologists that all could be around the um, table at those committee meetings to work to implement the recommendations. Thank you. Yep. Any other questions or comments? So as I, if I'm understanding correctly, you'll be sharing the full report with us. And I'm assuming that, um, you know, it may be appropriate to bring this back onto our agenda in the future once we've had a chance to review the report people may have more questions at that time um okay so thank you very much for giving us this update You're
Um, so Next. the unit C. Yep, Dr. Pavlicek. Um, you, uh, you have ratified agreements with unit A, the teachers, last spring. Uh, this spring we did unit B, the administrative members of the unit, and unit D, the educational assistants. Unit C is a, a separate group of the MEA, which is simply the people who are the recess aides, not, not food service, just recess. So it's about 18 people state uh, district-wide. Um, historically, that's been a separate unit of, of the MEA. And historically, their um, pay, uh, paying increments have tracked Unit A. Um, and so what you have in front of you for a vote tonight is a, uh, an MOA which does exactly that. It says, you know, for the, this year, it's currently now has to be one year retroactive because this was actually the first year of the contract we're finishing. Um, this year and the next two, they'll have the same um, uh, percentage increases as the, as the unit A teachers. This is a group that they simply have one pay rate. There is no notion of steps or lanes or anything like that. It is simply an hourly rate for the people who, um, who work in the in playgrounds and lunch area. Okay, thanks Dr. Pavlicek. So I'll make a motion um, and then if anyone has questions, we can um, open up for those. So I'd like to make a motion to approve the unit C memorandum of agreement as presented. Is there a second? Second. Thank you. Any questions for Dr. Pavlicek? Just one question. Uh, just so the only change really to the contract is the compensation. There's no change to policy, practice, working no. conditions, anything like that. Right. Do we know about how many people are in this unit that the district employs? 18, I think. 18. Okay. It's the four elementary schools, that's all. So, okay. Thank you. I have a question. On the bottom of page one, was that supposed to read 2024? September 1, 2024? Yeah. Oh, well, you can have my copy. Yeah. yeah no, the, uh, yes, the bottom should be 24. Sorry, there's a typo there. No. Yeah. Good catch, member Ross Denny. Okay, any other questions? All right, this will be, um, will this be a roll call vote or just a? It doesn't have to be. Okay, we're person. still adjusting to being in person. Okay, <laughs> so all in favor of the motion to approve this uh, unit C memorandum of agreement, all in favor, aye. 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 Okay, great, that's unanimous. Thank you. Um, so district updates. Uh, yes, let's. Uh, I want to begin by welcoming Dr. Burroughs to his first and probably of many school committee meetings. So, welcome, Dr. Burroughs. Uh, it's a busy time of year with art fairs, science fairs, field days, musical productions. Um, beginning with our youngest students, uh, today, to date, we've had 238 future kindergarten students visit the schools uh, for kindergarten screening, and we'll see another 70 next week at Tucker School. In addition, uh, we've had 23 future preschoolers visit Cunningham School for screening, and Tucker will host the remaining preschoolers uh, for screening on June 7th. Um, this upcoming week is an exciting week for our seniors as they prepare for graduation on June 4th. Uh, don't forget the high school is uh, presenting Mamma Mia 
on the 25th, 26th, and 27th. The Pierce players are presenting Newsies on June 1, 2, and 3. Um, Milton High graduation on June 4th at 2 p.m. And we're coming up, believe it or not, to the last day of school on June 21st. With that, that's all the happenings. Okay, thank you. Any questions? Exciting. I, I think I hear Mama Mia <laughs> in the background of this meeting. We practiced that, yes. Um, all right. Uh, thanks, Dr. McKinney, and welcome, Dr. Burroughs. Very yeah. glad you're here. Um, so in beginning the chair's report, the first item is going back to school choice and that recommendation. Um, so once again, I'll make the motion. If people have questions, we can open it up for discussion at that time. Um, but I'd like to make a motion in light of the recommendation and the overcrowding situation that we're all familiar with, uh, make a motion that Milton not be a school choice district for the FY24 school year. Is there a second? Second. Thank you, uh, Member Loring. Um, all in favor? Okay, thank you, that's unanimous. Um, I skipped right over, I everyone was okay without asking questions, okay, sorry. I'm still figuring this out. Um, next, next up um, is the discussion and possible recommendation uh, vote for a representative to the Climate Action Planning Committee. Um, so um, I see we're joined by our Select Board Chair, Mike Zulis. Um, so uh, this, the um, item before us right now is to um, discuss and consider possible appointees um, to represent the school committee on this newly formed um, Climate Action Planning Committee. Um, just to review, um, the school committee has one seat on this committee, which was formed by the select board. Um, and it could be one of us. Um, school committee members could be the person that we choose to have represent us. Um, I know the next item on our on our agenda is to reiterate, like re kind of look at all of our subcommittee and advisory committee assignments. The last time we discussed that um, at our prior meeting, I think we were all recognizing, um, you know, that we have a lot of committees to cover amongst the six of us. So uh, this one's a little bit different in that we are able to appoint someone on our behalf. Um, and hopefully we all had a chance to review um, the applications. The applications were uh, received by the select board um, and one of our options would be um, to first of all see if one of us would like to serve on this committee. If not, um, to consider the applicants on whether there's someone in this packet that we feel would be particularly well suited uh, to represent the school committee um, with expertise around climate change and hopefully education. Um, so I think um, once again, I'm just 
gonna make a motion. We'll get have it open on the floor, and then we can discuss because we will need to talk about um, what we all what we all want to do here. So I'll make a motion to. Um, actually, never mind. I'm not going to do that because we have to actually determine a name. We'll just talk about it um, to start with. Mark, um, yeah, Member Loring, go ahead. Um, I guess as an initial question, uh, all these individuals who submitted submitted it to not the school committee, but the town as a whole, right? Right, and because so, they are con the town is convening the committee. Yes. So do we have any knowledge of if these individuals have been picked by any of the other boards that could nominate somebody like the select board, you know, people planning so, board, ex planning board members in here, conservation. In the email I sent out with the applications, there are three names that have our have been selected already by the select board, um, and so those would be three people that we wouldn't would not um, consider, and those were um, Tracy Dyke Redmond. Gotcha, John. Um, Alex, Dr. Alexander Hasha, mm -hmm. I believe. Yeah. And the third one, John Goodleski. Goodleski. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, those three um, were already selected by the um, select board. Mm -hmm. um, And my understanding is that at this time, they're just waiting for the school committee appointee to be named. And at that point, they can move forward with the, um, with the beginning of the committee. Um, so, I mean, I think my understanding of this would be, um, we basically have three options again, well, let's just get this maybe out of the way. Do, do any of us, the six, any, I don't, do any of the five <laughs> of you um, feel you have expertise and interest to serve on this committee, having seen the charge for the committee? Um, not compared to the, these resumes. <laughs> okay. So if that's, if we're not gonna kind of take that option, then our other two options would be to take one of the people from this, um, the remaining packet. Um, and there's actually one that I would like to put forward, having just read the applications. Um, we can discuss that. People may have other ideas. Um, but beyond that, we could also, I believe, choose to appoint someone else. Um, you know, who hasn't necessarily, as you pointed out, member Loring, like applied through the town. Uh, but these people have already indicated their interest, have shared their qualifications. Um, so um, I guess just to get the discussion um, started, having read th through the applications, um, one person that I would like to I guess nominate for consideration would be Lisa Troy um, because I was noticing in what she submitted, which was pretty thorough, um, that she has, um, you know, a, a lengthy career in education um, along with 
uh, as a science educator along with current work in renewable energy. Um, so I would put her forward for our consideration. Um, and if anyone has other names that you'd like to put forward, please feel free to do that. I actually really liked her as well uh, when I was reading through the resumes. Great. Any other? I like. Sorry. Go ahead, member two. I think she's the only one who also answered two two questions to the application. Um, so I I really like how thorough her application is. Mm -hmm. Uh, extensive experience that she has, so I think she would be a great representative. Great, thanks. Any other comments? No, I agree. Are we ready to vote? Yeah, definitely. No, it's fine. Okay, um, so in that case, I guess I'd like to make a motion to appoint Lisa Troy. Um, as a school committee representative to the Climate Action Planning Committee. Is there a second? Second. second. Thank you, Mary Burbergis. Okay. Um, all in favor? Okay. Great. Thank you very much. Um, that's unanimous. So um, we will, um, I guess I will uh, reach out to Ms. Troy and uh, let her know that and then also follow up with town administrator Nick Milano, who had been in touch with us sort of um, to learn where we were in this process. So thank you all for taking the time to um, read through those applications. And that seems like a great solution um, to have someone with expertise be on that committee. And as we segue to the next agenda item, as far as all of our other subcommittees and advisory committees, um, we do have a lot on all of our plates. So uh, we went through this last time. We do need to take a um, formal vote on these appointments and that will allow us to kind of move forward with scheduling and holding meetings for the remainder of this year into next year. Um, I don't think there have been any changes from the last discussion two weeks ago to this most recent version that um, was shared with us. I will note just a couple of things. Um, so member Loring um, under facilities advisory committee is prepared to chair that committee. It's not noted on this um, version, but we'll just kind of put a little star next to your name there. Um, and on the facilities advisory committee, we talked, uh, well, we talked a little bit about this last time, but um, as well as strategic planning advisory committee, I think we agreed that for right now, it would be possible to move forward with a single school committee member on each of those advisory committees. Um, over the summer, as we move into next year, if we end up wanting to add 
a second member um, from our school committee uh, to join that one person, we're able to do that. Um, we can just keep it sort of TBD there unless anyone else has had a change of heart in the past couple of weeks and wants to raise your hand now. Um, I will just say in thinking about facilities advisory committee um, and member Loring, thank you for being ready to step up and kind of hit the ground running with that work. I think we all saw through town meeting, like how much work we have ahead in that area as we continue to devise short-term solutions to deal with the overcrowding. So I think um, that seems like a little bit of a priority area if we end up sort of able to find one more of us to join that. Um, I think that's something I'm willing to entertain that we're not gonna, I'm not gonna sort of do that tonight, um, but I think we'll have continued discussion of um, getting you a colleague on that um, sub advisory committee, recognizing how important that work will be this coming year. Um, as, and then the last correction here, we have, I, I'm not sure why, um, my name is crossed out under town capital improvement. I had agreed to, to represent us on that. So um, just, I'll take the strike out away from my name there. Um, and open up to any other thoughts that any of us have on what you see here. Um, just a reminder on the, the bargaining team, we can stay TBA on that um, second person there just because we don't anticipate needing to um, do much with that team in the short term, thankfully. So that one's fine to stay TBA. Any, any comments, questions? Um. I can join Member Loring on the Facilities Advisory Committee. Oh, okay. Thanks, yeah, Member that Varghese. Sense. That's great. Thank you. Of course. Okay. Anything else? Are we ready to go ahead and... Um, vote on these appointments okay so with with the changes that we've just talked through now um we can um i guess i'll make a motion to approve the proposed 2020 i guess this should say 2023-24 at the top um, Milton School Committee, Subcommittee, and Advisory Committee um, appointments. Second. second. Thanks, Dr. Randall. Um, okay. All in favor? All right, great. And for anyone watching at home, um, I guess just thank you in advance to all of my colleagues on school committee because although these are all open meetings and they're all posted, they represent a lot of the time that we put into serving on school committee. Um, and I'm sure it's gonna be a productive year. So thank you all very much in advance. Okay, next um, is just the discussion of the summer meeting schedule. So, um, Dr. Burroughs, it's 
nice to have you here for this continuation of the discussion. Um, so as the last meeting, we kind of talked through those tentative dates uh, being those first two weeks, two first two Wednesdays in August that we would be able to meet. Um, I think one was July, the one that you said, the last. You're right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Sorry, the last one, the last Wednesday in July and the first Wednesday in August. Yep. Yeah, sorry about that. That's what I get for just going off my my memory which is you got a lot of brains here not to help, so. not all perfect all the time so yeah so the last week wednesday of july the first wednesday of august we talked about that being a great opportunity to uh, kind of launch our work with you as our new superintendent um and as far as discussion um the only um I think the only like update that I had, I might like share based on my latest discussion with you was the idea of um, having potentially like the two meetings. I know we talked about one being a kind of 4.30 to 8.30 or so, including dinner, working dinner, um, and that the following week might be a shorter meeting uh, that would stay focused on uh, facilitation by MASC. Um, you know, I don't know if you want to add anything to that, but I, I, I remember that you had maybe another thought about um, sort of continuing in the work, like as a team, yeah, and I inviting mean, her to come at a later date. Yeah, I know that uh, she's on vacation. That that one MASC trainer that, that we talked to is on vacation both of those days. I see. Okay. So, um, you know, one thing we talked about was potentially having a conversation together, um, going off of uh, the text that you ordered. Yeah. Um, the governance core, which is a, a really, really great um, kind of primer on, on school leadership. And um, I thought it would be a helpful place for us if we didn't have a, a facilitator, which, you know, frankly, a facilitator is helpful, but I think we could also have a really rich conversation just kind of go, moving off of that text. So um, in terms of the order, I think it would probably be helpful to have that be the first conversation before going into the, the work ahead that the school committee will do in terms of setting goals and, and looking ahead to the, to the year. So like looking at those two days at least that we've already established. Um, I mean, my own bias is I think the more that we can invest together in kind of getting on the same page and getting clear, like that is gonna bear so much fruit over the course of the year. So trying to like fit it in an hour or two here and kind of rush in and rush out. Um, if we can be really like thoughtful and intentional at that time, I think it's gonna really be powerful in us starting this journey together. And I'm really excited for that work. And I think given that we now have a multi-year strategic plan we shouldn't have a lot of variability from year to year because we mm -hmm. now have our guiding documents. So I don't think the level of intensity in which we needed to plan last year is necessarily appropriate because we have a strategic plan with goals and timelines and benchmarks. Yeah. That's a great point. So, um, yeah, so Dr. Burroughs had shared the suggestion of this book, um, The Governance Core by Davis Campbell and Michael Fullen. I, I just 
received it. I haven't gotten to read it yet. I just kind of flipped through it. I, I mean, I'm familiar with these scholars and know that they're really well-respected leading scholars um, in thinking about this topic of school governance. Um, so um, I think a step would be to just order copies of this for each of us, um, get them to everybody as far ahead as possible so that people have as much time as possible to, um, to read it. I don't know if we could, uh, maybe Dr. Burroughs, like you and I could maybe figure out if there are certain sections that are like priorities that yeah. we want to make sure that everybody can, you know, definitely read. Um, but we can follow up on that. Um, and yeah, if people are open to that, I, th I think I agree it would be a really nice like anchor to um, begin our work together. And thanks for making that suggestion. Um, and we can always, you know, I, I know that um, Dorothy Presser from MASC, you know, has indicated her availability like as the year goes on. So, um, for example, one of the topics that um, we may not really get to in the summer necessarily, but which is on our plate for the coming year, of course, is um, to conduct the superintendent's evaluation. Um, that process, I know MASC has a lot of resources to support us with that, uh, given the way the last couple of years have played out. We haven't actually um, conducted evaluations in the sort of traditional way, just because of all of our turnover with transition. So um, I think that would be one example of like a, sh a brief session that we could invite her to come, you know, and maybe as part of one of our school committee meetings um, and share some information with us. So um, one thing we might be able to do, I guess, would be understand from her like what the different topics are. I know last year she talked to us about goal setting, um, but you're completely right. Like we've made a ton of progress on that just through the adoption of the strategic plan. So um, and I also think it's a good opportunity for us to reflect on our goals. We'd hoped to have two check-ins right over the course of this year to see how are we doing against what we said we would do and whether it's during this retreat or before you know we meet that we actually take the opportunity individually to be in compliance with um, the governing laws here but we should reflect on whether or not we made the progress that we anticipated as a school committee right thanks Any other ideas or questions people have as you think about that time? Um, I don't know what the process is gonna be, honestly, in terms of like setting the agenda, the opportunity for input from members of the committee. Um, I guess that's, maybe that's something that we could, um, like if there's a way we could bring a draft agenda to our final meeting of the year for, for, for the for the school committee retreat or for the training the school committee retreat yeah sure. kind of thinking about the training with masc is going to be something we'll kind of have on the horizon mm -hmm. you know we can maybe 
I mean, I could certainly inquire with MASC, like what are even the topics that they would be prepared to facilitate for us. But we have a meeting, I guess it's June 14th. Would that be too soon to um, I don't think so. draft an agenda to get people's input on that? I mean, I think we're talking about two different meetings, right? We're talking about one meeting, at least in my conception, we have one meeting where we're really talking about how are we going to work together? What does that look like? Like, as I inhabit this role, what does that look like? What are the expectations? What are the expectations of me to school committee, et cetera? So I, th I think there's one meeting about that. I think there's a second meeting where the school committee is looking at the year ahead and, and reestablishing confirming goals that were set previously, recasting them based right. on the work that's already happened. Um, so I think those are kind of things. And then there's the probably the Dorothy Presser training on evaluation or something late August, September, somewhere. Yeah. So if if I could just ask a process question. So as I as you were talking, I would imagine then that the first meeting would be the shorter meeting. And then the second might be a more extended meeting where we can get to the how we will work together. There's a whole reflection on the book, right? Yeah. We want to have sort of the conversation, setting the stage for the work that we want to do together as to how we're going to work as a body, yeah. right? Um, and the priorities that we would set for ourselves for the year. That's, I think, something that perhaps got a little convoluted last time that we sort of started looking at strategic planning mm -hmm. priorities and goals, which is, those are a set of goals yeah. that are guiding the district, yeah. but there should be a set of goals that guides our work as a body, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, we want to have X amount of forums because we want to make sure the community, you know, is aware of what's happening. So that's the type of work in agreements that I would imagine we want to set to begin the year. Um, but I would sort of think that it, the first one is a shorter meeting and the second one perhaps a longer working meeting. Yeah, I, I think we could take up as much time as we have, to be honest. I know you were all really busy too. But <laughs> <laughs> as much time as you can give this summer would be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Great. Just to clarify as a newbie, so all meetings that we're going to have, regardless if it's retreat or any gathering, is going to be in this kind of format, like this camera recording and the, we did that last the retreats are not televised. Okay. Um, so, but they are open meetings. They're posted. Um, and we last year we were in the library here upstairs. The year before that we were in here. Members of the community can come. They can listen in. There's no citizen speak portion of the um, the summer working retreat typically. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I don't believe that those are televised. They are just open for people to attend. That's how it's been in the past. Um, and, you know, for when we're having a longer, they're also time for us, especially with Dr. Burroughs, like to just, you know, continue getting to know one another, um, team building, if you like, and especially with you, Dr. Burroughs, like getting to know you, you getting to know us. So that's why um, it's nice to be able to sort of incorporate like a meal into it um, for that purpose. So that makes it different from our standard meetings in that way.
feels different. Than our mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'll follow up um, with you, Dr. Burroughs, but I'll just say for myself, a goal would be to bring, to share with you all um, June 14th, just an outline of agendas for those times would be good to kind of nail down for our planning purposes, like the start start times for those um, and share like ideas for the agendas and get your feedback on those. Okay, great. Um, the last item here is approval of vendor warrants. And I think this is under the chair's report because the finance committee hasn't met technically because we just voted our uh, new appointments to be official. Um, I guess for this one time, I can read out the vendor warrants and going forward, this will happen under finance committee um, reports. Unless you wanna read them. Feel free, (laughs) Chair. Dr. Carol. Um, We have to do these all separately? No, do them in one vote. Okay, because nobody's abstaining from any of these. So, unless you choose to, but nobody has to. So we can bundle them. We don't have any conflicts. No conflicts, that's what I was trying to say. Thank you. Um, Okay, so I'll make a motion to approve um, the following vendor warrants, warrant 40, payable in the amount of $250,983.23 on April 20th, 23. Um, warrant 41 was skipped, says, so then warrant 42, payable in the amount of $400,707.79 on May 4th, 2023. Warrant 43, Payable in the amount of five hundred eighty-six thousand and sixty-one dollars and seventy-three cents on May eleventh. Warrant forty-four. Payable in the amount of four hundred five thousand six hundred four thousand six hundred four dollars and sixty-two cents on May eighteenth, twenty twenty-three. And warrant forty-five. Payable in the amount of four hundred twenty-five thousand four hundred three dollars and one cent on May twenty-fifth, twenty twenty-three. Is there a second? Second. Okay, all in favor? Okay, unanimous, thank you, great. Um, Policy subcommittee report. Okay, so um, this is the second reading. So member of our geese is the new chair of policy. Um, I guess I was the chair of policy when we brought this forward for our first reading. Um, this is policy BHC. Um, and I'll make a motion to approve the second reading. Um, and then we can open up for any questions or discussion. Is there a second? Second. A second reading of policy BHC staff communication. And thank you, Member Varghese. Um, does anyone have any questions about this? The updates uh, which came to us from MASC. I just have a clarifying question. Um, so if a school committee member wanted to visit schools, how far in advance should we contact the superintendent to arrange the visit? So, I mean, it's a good question. I think we're honestly like formulating what the protocol 
would be around this. Um, in terms of per the policy, how to like the way to organize or to express your interest in visiting a school um, would be to contact the superintendent mm -hmm. with that request um, to copy me as the chair of the committee. Um, I know there, I think there really have been different ways that this has gone in the past, um, but the key point per this policy is just that uh, we as members of the school committee will not be directly contacting principals of schools to arrange those meetings, but rather going through the superintendent um, and you know, where possible, potentially um, even like coordinating more than one, like if, if more than one of us is interested in visiting a particular school, it might make sense um, to let you know up to two or even three of us who who are able to coordinate that just so it's less work for the school leaders to manage like individual visits for um several school committee members um but dr mckinney do you have other thoughts on that no i think that's pretty much what we talked about um i mean if you made a uh, request I think we could put something together within a week or two but trying to be strategic and putting together a schedule where all committee members could visit the schools and see the same sort of thing if possible depending on your schedules so yeah and there's certainly times where schools are uh, a little busy with MCAS and other things so just keeping that in consideration when we build the schedules so thank you thank you sure so I mean we're coming up to the end of the year I would say if anybody has interest in visiting particular schools in the coming weeks like i would make that request as soon as you can just so that with all the events and things that are happening um it's possible to you know set that up and recognizing that you know especially for newer school committee members probably won't be possible to visit all of the schools um in the next <coughs> three weeks probably, <laughs> but um, you know, I think it's, it's great to visit schools. I haven't yet actually done formal visits in all of the schools myself. I'm continuing to want to do that and um, just email Dr. McKinney and, and me. But this is one of the things that I would hope that we are able to discuss in our planning for the year sure. it feels like that's something that's a very low you know sort of something that we can do and just sort of plan i'm thinking ahead of the site council presentations mm -hmm. wouldn't it be nice that in <coughs> conjunction to that we actually visit obviously if people can't make it because of their schedules it's okay but at least they're, they're already set on the schedule for mm -hmm. the year and we can make it a point to visit the schools it's a great idea. Love that idea. And I was also going to mention that um, it, it's helpful for onboarding too to have an annualized visit where new new school committee members automatically have something set up so that mm -hmm. they they come That's onto the school committee and then there's an automatic way for you all to yeah. get into schools and and mm -hmm. kind of helps with feeling grounded and getting totally. going in the role. 
And I'm sure I know the answer to this, but this does not apply when you visit as a parent, correct? <laughs> I don't think so. It's like water I'm out. there all the time, <laughs> just like I'm here as a parent. So. <laughs> just to add one thing, you know, it's a uh, hectic time of year coming in to the end of the school year, but uh, and we're all looking forward to summer. But if there is a day or a time to check out the summer programs, we're open through the summer and to see the things that we do for kids. I also think it's an important opportunity as well. So, yeah, thanks. Good point. But thanks for raising that, Dr. Marina. I, yeah, absolutely. Let's like have that as part of what we discuss in the summer because I think one of the things we're wanting to do is just um, be a little more proactive in how we plan for. Um, helping us all stay informed. And if it can also support um, onboarding, then that's also, of course, really helpful. So make a note of that. Um, What's happening out there sounds really a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and they brought food. I did see that on my way in today. So. <laughs> Any other um, questions on this policy? Or we're ready to vote. Okay, so um, we have a motion on the floor. So all in favor of um, need a second. Where's the wording of approving the second reading of policy BHC? All in favor? Okay, great. Thank you. Unanimous. Um, Member Ross Denny. Curriculum and Instruction Advisory Committee report. On May 2nd at 8.32 a.m., we called to order the Curriculum and Instruction Advisory Committee. Dr. McKinney, Dr. Carroll, and myself were present, and we had two agenda items. The first was to compare the non-professional staff. For those of you who are unaware, it means that you're within your first three years of teaching but it doesn't necessarily mean um, it was the Milton Public School. So if you're an experienced teacher coming in from another district with experience, you would not be included in this number. Um, it was in response to a concern expressed by a former MPS staff member about the non-professional staff at a specific school. Dr. McKinney provided us with two reports, one report comparing non-professional teachers and non-professional staff as a percentage of all staff and the other report comparing non-professional special education teachers with those who are general education teachers. And overall, there are varying levels in terms of non-professional staff, but the average for the district was 27%, and the average for the non-professional teachers as a percentage of the overall staff was 21%. I think the underlying premise here is is there a disproportionate number of non-professional teachers in, in one school versus another? While I do not have the timestamp of the one data request with the concern that was expressed by staff, I think we just all need to be conscious of the fact that the teaching profession is in a state um, that's been very different from what we have seen traditionally with people staying in the profession until they retire. So just being mindful of the fact that while we are onboarding very new people to the profession. 
they're learning and they're going to experience a significant amount of professional development. They have mentors, they have assistant principals and principals. There is a small cohort of people that were meant to support these individuals. And the expectation is every student in Milton is going to have access to a high quality education independent of the tenure of the teacher because of the supports that we have for all teachers. The second agenda item was an update on the strategic plan. Um, as many of you are aware, there are three pillars, personalized learning, safe and supportive schools, and equity in learning. While the update itself was presented in a document that's way too long to share right now, I'm gonna just go through a few highlights. Under personalized learning this past school year, MPS leadership began professional development on personalized learning facilitated by Cindy Tamor, who is a former superintendent of the Melrose Public Schools. And following good practice, these were not one-shot deals. It happened over the course of a school year. As you, remember, as you may remember, the school committee hosted a forum on personalized learning where we invited MPS faculty to present to the community so they have a better understanding of what it entails. MPS faculty also experienced professional development on data analysis offered by the DataWise program out of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. And last but not least, the personalized learning team created a, a website for staff and family members to identify resources as well as to gain a better understanding of what it means to engage in personalized learning. Under the Safe and Supportive Schools pillar, our faculty have completed a classroom of the COM classroom training and two teachers in every building have been identified to participate in a train the trainer model. And they are also assisting with being the go-to person for leaders, um, go-to person for teachers who have questions about that training. Um, and then last, in terms of equity and learning, we spent a significant amount of time talking about the data that was presented by the Milton Coalition and specifically around bullying of LBGQT plus students as well as black students. And Dr. McKinney was able to share with us that he has been in contact with Principal Karen Cahill at the high school. And in addition to looking at the Milton Coalition data, she'll be looking at all of the data sources that we have around this topic. And the expectation is that she will triangulate what are the issues that are most salient and that she plans on addressing along with a plan by the end of this school year. So we look forward to hearing whether it's over the summer at the beginning or at the beginning of the subsequent school year, what the high school's intentions are for addressing this data. And then we adjourn around nine o'clock. Thank you, Member Rostani. Um, any, any questions or comments from any members? Dr. Miranda? So if we go back to your first point around non-professional um, staff, Mm -hmm. And um, seems like we were just looking at the percentage for at the aggregate for the district, but um, could are we at some point going to be able to look at the data by schools? In the report itself, it has it by school, and of non-professional teachers of the total staff, Collicott is at twenty-one point two percent, Cunningham is twenty-five point nine percent. Glover is 27.6%. Tucker is 20.9%. The middle school is 19.1%. And the high school is 15.4%.
I do not like reading numbers without people being able to look at it because it's really Got hard it. to retain. <laughs> Got it. But I'll be happy to forward this to you because it is true. Um, research shows that if you have a non-professional teacher two years in a row, the impact on student learning can be dramatic. And it's very important that as we review this data, that we're thoughtful about placement so that we are not creating a, a setting that doesn't um, reflect what we know to be research-based practices. Okay, thank you. Any other questions? Have we, uh, y'all been able to look at how this data maybe overlaps with uh, retention data as it relates to you know, number of new employees, even if they are tenured, but new to uh, Milton Public Schools and therefore new to the, the policies, practices of kind of uh, how we are educating kids that's in the school district? That's a really good question. We have not. At least I, I personally yeah. have not. But that's a really good question that I think might be a great agenda item for another curriculum instruction advisory committee. Yeah, just in terms of the compounding effect of kind of both of those groups. Um, thank you. Thank you for the question. Thank you. Uh, if there's no more questions or comments on that report, um, then we can move on to approval of minutes. Uh, we have one set of minutes. Um, for here somewhere. Yes, sorry. <laughs> May 10th, 2023. Did everyone um, have a chance to review these? Okay, so um, we'll make a motion to approve the minutes of May 10th, 2023 Milton School Committee meeting. Is there a second? Second. second. Okay, did anyone have any edits or anything for these? All right, great, then we can go ahead and uh, vote. All in favor of approving these? Um, all opposed? All abstain? Okay, yes. Um, great, that just leads to next agenda, next meeting agenda. All right, so our next meeting will be June 7th at 7 p.m. here in person um, because prior to that meeting, we have the retirees reception, which will be here at the courtyard downstairs. Um, in terms of agenda items, um, will we have a finance? Will you be meeting before then? Do you think? I would love to. <laughs> we'll get Dr. Pavlik. Yes, we will have a meeting. Okay. Um, facilities will be meeting. Uh, would you like to have a report at that meeting? Sure. Okay. Um, policy may, may be on the following yes, agenda. Yes, will be on the 14th. Okay. Um, Health and wellness, we need to, it, it would be good to um, have that meet 
one time before the end of the year. Um, but Dr. Miranda, I'll follow up with you and with you, member of our East, to sort of hand off the um, the scheduling of that. Great. Um, and either way, we won't, maybe won't have it on our next agenda, but maybe try to have that on the 14th if possible, if you've had a chance to meet before then, hopefully. Um, any other topics? Um, Dr. McKinney, do you know of anything that you are wanting to have on the agenda for the 7th? Uh, <clears throat> there was a request at the last meeting to have a short overview of the power school suite. So yes, yeah, right. Thank you. Okay. Small but mighty presentation. Okay. Any other requests, um, school committee members? I don't know if June is the time to do it, but I'm always interested in as we're approaching next year, um, just hiring and you know how, where we're at with openings. Um, experience of hires, diversity of hires, just any and all that stuff as we approach, you know, before it's August, September, obviously it's way too mm -hmm. late to raise any flags at that point. Is that something we could get just a quick status update on at one of those next two meetings? Uh, current status is we have 50 posted positions from paras, summer positions, coaches, subs, cafeteria, and custodians. So, um, I think we're on track at meeting and hiring folks and uh, screening committees in place. So it's at a different place than obviously last year. I think we had 70 new hires when I came in by the end of August. So um, I can keep giving an update to the committee. Okay. Thank you. Yep. If anyone thinks of other topics or have, you have questions about things that you want to see on the agenda, please just let me know. We still have time to add things. <coughs> um over the next week um i have one more question yes is the meeting on june 14 in person or online well so let's um we can talk about that now um what preferences do you all have because we know next week is going to be in person just because mm -hmm. we're going to be here for the reception right before um i'm definitely willing to enter would are there people who would have a preference either way between in person or online for june 14th i prefer online it gives me a lot more flexibility with my schedule yes same I prefer online also okay you do have facilities advisory from 5.30 to 6.30 on that day. And that's in person, I believe. Yes. And I guess we're Bye. in person. <laughs> <laughs> so. We could, we could do that and run home, you know. Member Loring and member Varghese. We'll just be here by ourselves. And <laughs> I think you would be able to get home in half an hour, right? Yeah. Okay. Why don't we say this? We'll like tentatively uh, plan to have that one be on Zoom. Since, you know, we still are not equipped for. Um, hybrid meetings, which is something that I also hope will be on our agenda for the summer to discuss. 
uh, kind of a longer term plan for that. So in the meantime, I, d I do see some um, benefit in alternating and that provides the ability for folks who would like to participate in citizen speak who can't physically get here for our in-person meetings that they could zoom in for that. So that's an added plus, but I'm all for um, helping people be flexible with their calendars. So I'll check with Charlene about that mm -hmm. um, and we'll follow up in the, you know, that's, that's a few weeks away. But thanks for asking, member two. Um, Can I have one other thing? Yes. Yeah. Just when we're looking ahead to the um, the dates in July and August, I think if we could just have a little time in there around the metrics, because when we ask for data, maybe we could schedule those at key points of the year so we could speak to them at greater depth. Mm -hmm. um, the VU, uh, the director of analytics, the queen of data has been putting together a dashboard that tracks all that stuff and it's pretty slick. So we'll be able to see questions around hiring, retention, better analytics that we could share out with the committee if we schedule it at certain times during the year as opposed to a snapshot in time. So just a food for thought. That's great. Terrific. Totally. Thanks. Okay. Um, well, we do, uh, let's, we're going to adjourn um, into executive session. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a mess. Um, thank you. Okay. Um, I want to get the wording right for this. So we, um, at this time, are going to adjourn into executive session for the purpose of discussing strategy session for negotiations, collective bargaining sessions, or contract negotiations with non-union personnel pursuant to uh, Mass General Law Chapter 30A, Section 21A2. Um, I will make that motion. Not Is, to return uh, to open session, but to Thank you, Dr. Palachek. Not to return session. to open session, but to adjourn directly from executive session. Um, I'll, I'll make that motion. Is there a second? A second. Okay, thank you. All in favor? All right, so thank you very much. Um, good evening, everybody.